this is Sony's Equals. I'm Josh. I'm David. I'm Andrew. What are you doing jumping out of turn like that, boy? Really, I'm really excited, I guess. I, I know. know. I knew you would be. I'm Gary. Did everybody say their name? I think so. Yeah, I did. Okay, good. I couldn't remember. <laughs> was, all right, so uh, Snuck in welcome, welcome, welcome to So Many Sequels. Um, we're starting a brand new series with this episode. Do I want my microphone in the shot? I guess I This probably sounds ridiculous. You're very loud. You're very beefy. You're very loud. Back very, very bassy and um, very beefy. Good. Very bassy. I can't go that low. Um, we're starting a new series this week. We're going to talk about the Muppets. So we're obviously kicking it off today with the Muppet movie. That's right. Uh, the very first Muppet movie, uh, all the way back in 1979. One of the oldest movies we've ever covered, though I, I'm pretty sure that Star Wars A New Hope is still the, the oldest we've ever done. I believe so. Everybody's thinking hard, but I think that's it. 1977 versus... The Muppet movie yeah, just a few years later. If you want to be technical, if you want to be really technical, Andrew's the oldest movie we've ever covered because he was made in like the 1920s. That's fair. You're old. Fair. And we watch that movie on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. He was actually in the Muppet movie. Did you guys see him? He was Back the then, he went by the name Fozzie Bear. Oh, uh, I was thinking Dom Waka Deloise. Waka. <laughs> Dom DeLuise was Andrew. <laughs> So the Muppet movie um, is a breezy little film. Yeah, a little over, just a little over an hour and a half, starring, of course, all your favorite Muppets, uh, as as well as a a host of celebrity cameos, particularly people who were like who are a lot of them are now like you know legend status, um, and at the time a lot of them were just big stars of the time. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't quite they weren't even legends yet; they were just a listers. Yep. So, um, you know, we got we got a, a fairly young Steve Martin in there. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor, Pryor pops up. Yep. Milton yeah. Berle. Like Bobby said, Hokey. Deloise, Bob Mel Hope. Brooks. Mel Brooks. Like some, so a lot of very funny people um, popping up in there. And this movie, yep. so if you know about the Muppets, if you're a fan of the Muppets, you know that um, they're really into like meta humor. Oh, and man, this, so much. This movie really just like embraces that because the, the entirety of the Muppet movie are the Muppets watching a movie based on how they got know. started. Right. Um, like it literally opens with, with, you know, well, we, we begin with the Muppets going into the movie theater to watch this movie. Um, and then, and then off we go on a Muppet filled adventure. So um, I'm a, David, you have to answer last because you're the Muppet expert. <laughs> how, oh, sorry. how, has anyone had anyone not seen this particular movie before? And if you have seen it, how long has it been? I'll start since I'm talking. I have seen the Muppet movie before, but it's been a really long time. I didn't remember a lot of it. Um, you know, some parts are are pretty unforgettable. Unfor- you know, you got the the, uh, the the debut of Rainbow Connection, mm-hmm. Kermit Kermit singing in the in the swamplands there, and uh, I always have the meeting of uh, Fozzie and Kermit in the comedy club, like seared in my head for some reason. I just always remember that um, where he's like, do, do you know any dances? I can't, I'm not going to do a Kermit voice. And we already talked about how we should <laughs> limit impersonations. Why? I always like that scene. Um, but as uh, opposed uh, or outside of those couple scenes, I didn't remember much of it. 
So it was nice to jump back in. Probably pretty uh, refreshing in that sense then. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Andrew, you have never seen this movie? That is correct. Wow. Amazing. Like, it like is, I told it you, is he kind was, of impressive. You don't remember watching it when you sat there with the rest of the Muppets? I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> 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 you're basically you're the, the Swedish chef. Okay, well then, uh, you don't have much to say, I guess. Uh, well, how did you feel about it? I liked it. I guess what, yeah, it was a, a good way for to frame the question for you is, you know, you don't have nostalgia tied to this movie. You don't have the rose-colored glasses. You know, a lot of people, you can watch a movie as a young person and love it, and then as a grown-up realize it was bad. That's not the case with this one, but we don't even have that possibility with you because it's fresh. Yes. So do you feel like it, like, lived up to Muppet hype? Yes. Does it hold up over time? I think it does because, like, um, it's a gen- it's a genuinely feel-good movie. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, really nothing ba- there's really nothing bad to say about Muppets. I mean, even, even as an adult, you're just like, Muppets are cool. You know, Muppets just kind of they're 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 they don't they don't age, yeah. And and like this movie, whenever I I mean, I say whenever I saw it, I just finished it up like fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. So so it's like really fresh on my mind right now. Down to the wire. Um, um no, it's 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 timeless. It's just really timeless, and and everything about it is just I don't know. Like you look at it, and you just kind of and, and you just you feel good. There's just nothing bad about it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. Okay. And Garrett? I agree for the most part. Um, I don't want to jump into it now. I'll save it for later. But there is an issue that I have with it. Um, but overall, this movie is just fun. Like, again, the Muppets are fantastic. It, it really is just – it doesn't matter what age you are. You just – are transported back. Even if you've never seen the Muppets before, I feel like there's, and I mean, I can't just say that with absolute certainty, but I feel like if Andrew can watch this movie and feel like he's back in his childhood or or just that innocent fun, um, that's really what these movies deliver. It is, there's no real political issue with this one. Um, It's just a nice, fun movie. And what I really enjoy about it is that like the dumb jokes that they do in this movie, they only work in the world of a Muppet. Like when Fozzie's like, drapes are on the house and everybody goes to the roof. That's stupid. <laughs> Any other place, but the Muppets. Right. Whenever they go, uh, Fozzie, I'm going to need you to take a left at the fork of the road. And there's an actual fork in the road. Yeah. Like so any other time that would be stupid, but it's yeah. ador- adorable. And it, and it works for the Muppets. Um, obviously rainbow connection just knowing what that song is it's just so pure and so sweet uh it, it really sets the tone of the movie and i think that whenever he finished my response was oh that's nice i'm in such a good mood now i'm so happy um and also left-handed kermit is uh very important to me never forget <laughs> kermit is left-handed there's sure. more left-handed musicians that are uh like that so. muppets <laughs> That's this movie does really movie. just uh, put you in a in a nice mood for the most part. Again, I do have one issue with it, but I'm not going to bring it up yet. Um, but it's just it's just fun. It's just enjoyable yeah. overall. Okay. Well, David, it is time for you to hit your Muppet spiel. Uh, I have no spiel. There's no spiel. Oh, you don't? 
Okay. I don't know, but it is one. I, it is genuinely. I, I haven't seen this movie since I was probably like nine years old. Haven't really rewatched it, but it is genuinely one of those movies that I think calling it like it's a classic. Like that's just like the only way I feel like you can really say it. Like it is a uh, beautiful movie that is technically very impressive. When you consider that we're so we're so kind of uh, used to this, but when you consider this is like the first time, one of the big things that people talked about, reviewers talked about coming out of this movie was we got to see the Muppets' feet. Like they'd never been shown below the waist, and any movie that featured puppetry had never shown a puppet below the waist because it's just like how are you going to do that? Uh, they had Kermit riding a uh, riding a bike. They had Kermit's legs fully exposed in like the first shot of the movie. They had you. you see all these characters you could see Fozzie and Kermit dance on stage it was an amazing technical masterpiece in so many ways beautifully heartfelt clever witty uh just really really well done from top to bottom uh it is mm, oh I do want to mention uh that bit with the fork in the road it is I find that genuinely funny but for uh, a tiny little extra reason. It's not just it's not just the visual gag of the fork. That's funny. It's the fact that when they pass it, like so, he says, "Turn right at the fork in the road." And when they see it, uh, Fozzie goes, "Carmat," and 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 Kermit just under his breath goes, "I don't believe that." <laughs> <laughs> that little aside of I don't believe that. Like even Kermit's like, "This is absurd." <laughs> is so funny to me. Uh, I have more to say. I actually have a little quibbling issue with this movie too, but it's not a, uh, it's really not a deal breaker. It's just a, a story issue that I kind of think is there. Um, but hilarious. You're right. The meta humor, brilliant. The, that It's so funny that Mel Brooks is in the movie because it feels like a Mel Brooks film. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody else ever directed a Muppets movie um, outside of the Muppets, like, performers or the people that that have have always done it like mel brooks would be top up there in terms of a person who who would have directed a fantastic muppets movie andrew you were trying to jump in at one point in time talking about the technical aspect of it yeah the only thing and sorry i didn't mean to interrupt um the thing i wanted to say about like the technical aspects of it when i saw kermit on his bike I, I was like, wow, that's actually really incredible because you don't see that. And you don't and you don't see that today anymore. And that's just like it's like Happy Time Murders, thank you very much. That was a puppeteering event. I'm there's good. a there's puppets and there's Muppets. Do not confuse them again. <laughs> you got the hands in there with the wires and the Continue. <laughs> I don't know who handled the the Happy Time Murders, but I'm gonna find out. I'm gonna find out real quick. Um, but no, like the, the the practical effects of of the Muppet movie is just it's so ingenious, and it's just it's also a really great product of its time because we don't see that type of we don't see that type of practicality in movies anymore. If that was if this was made today, everything would be CG, and you wouldn't appreciate it as much. Awesome. That's not technically true. I mean, it kind of is, but like they always keep the Muppets as Muppets. Like right. even the even the Jason Siegel ones, they're Muppet. Like the Muppets will always be Muppets, and you have to give props to the the team for keeping them that way because it it, it would be easy to create them mm-hmm. as CG, but it takes away from it if they do that. And you also have to give 
props and credits to those puppeteers or Muppeteers, um, if you want to call them that, uh, because they do a fantastic job of making you believe that they're real. Uh, You know they're not, obviously, but when you sit down and you watch them, they feel real. It's the same thing that, and I know a lot of people don't like ventriloquists, but like it's the same thing that a ventriloquist does is they have that ability to make that puppet or Muppet or uh, dummy that they're using to feel real and you forget that they're not. And that is a craft that should not go underappreciated with all of those people who do a fantastic job controlling those Muppets, not just the boys, but the people who work the wires, who work the mouth, who work everything that you see in those movies. That is a really specified and diligent craft that they should be applauded for because they do a fantastic job. Amen. Yeah, some some of the techniques they use in this movie are, are, you know, could be labeled visual effects. They are, uh, but they've just, they're the very earliest forms of these moves and they still do a lot of these techniques today, but obviously the technology is advanced. The scene where Kermit and Fozzie are dancing on stage in the bar, um, that's Jim Henson and, and Frank Oz wearing blue suits against a blue screen and dancing them. And if you look, you can kind of tell that the background's not quite this. It doesn't have the, the, the lighting of the rest of the bar. You can see that and you can pick that out if you're looking for it, but that was like a groundbreaking thing to do then. And they've advanced on that since. And like, that's a, that's a visual practical effect, if you will. And they did a lot of this other stuff. You know, there's, you can find the images online of Jim Henson sitting, you know, sitting underwater in an, like in a large oil drum with a TV monitor, watching himself perform rainbow connection. You know, it took them five days to do that. Now today they probably could figure out a way because of all that work to do that same thing in like a couple hours. But a huge undertaking and a huge amount of work went into making a, uh, essentially the first ever feature film puppet movie, you know, and I, and I get, and I know, yeah, there were Muppets, but nothing I think had ever been done on quite this scale and nothing had ever been attempted in terms of bringing a, a children's slash family friendly television product to the big screen like this. So it can't be, you know, from, technical aspect everything was sort of on their shoulders for this yeah i I dig it yeah i dig it um what uh what do we feel about the movie within a movie plot i like it yeah yeah it's fun yeah i like it too it feels like i was honestly i didn't remember it being that pivotal <laughs> as a kid but it really is like to the point of like them giving uh, electric mayhem the screenplay so that they can get caught up like it's right. it's very woven into the film the idea of like it being a, a movie uh, within yeah. a movie and uh i think it speaks to their i think it speaks like like garrett said only the Mu- very few can get away with it the muppets are one of the few that can really get away with that and it be it feel right Mm-hmm. I was going to say something about, I was going to say something about, I, I remember thinking at one point, like in any other movie, what just happened would be really unrealistic. And I'm trying to remember what exactly it was now. I can't, I can't remember it, but I was like, it's hard to even argue realism when the whole 
when the 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 characters are like, yeah, you know, uh, here's you know, we're in the we're in a movie. <laughs> like when the movie admits that it's a movie, it's hard to go. Oh, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I don't know. It, it like similar films that have come out that have done this. I think a lot of Mel Brooks films have played with that idea. Obviously in more recent times, uh, like Deadpool has played with that idea. And, and I'm a big fan of it every time I see it. I think it's just really a clever way to deconstruct, you know, uh, the Hollywood film. Well, I think that absurdity and meta-ness kind of acknowledging what happens and what's going on really works with the Muppets because uh, uh, kind of counteracting what I just said in a positive way, as much as you believe that they're real, you also know they're not. They're not like trying to pass them off as like real things. Like they are clearly Muppets because they're in a world with human beings. And so you see the difference and they're not trying to play that, um, you know, they're real animals or they're real, whatever, like they're clearly Muppets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you are able to get away with that absurd type humor because you create this world where, okay, I can believe a few more things because of the fact that they're not real things, but because they're so believable that you just believe it too. It's this weird blend that, that really does only work with like Muppets or Sesame Street or those kinds of, of things where they, they take this clearly fake thing, put them into a real world, but do such a good job of making you feel for them and, and, ha- and have such personalities that you forget while also remembering whenever there's an actual fork in the road. It's like any other movie that would be stupid, but yeah, this is, it makes sense because it's ridiculous. It's Muppets, of course. It's uh, the only other film that I think even comes kind of in the same vein in terms of making you uh, feel like fictional characters and real care and real human people are interacting is probably who framed Roger rabbit Mm -hmm. um, and making you really uh, look past the fact that there's that, difference in your performers uh it just speaks to how well and like how good a job they do as as like you said as the performers and uh, how sharply written it is because like you you know if you have a if you have a trouble with it or if you show it to someone and they like don't get it at first it doesn't take long for them to get it yeah you know yeah uh i always think whenever whenever somebody whenever they try to do a meta they, they use the meta platform um, it either works or it doesn't. And I feel like, I feel like in this case it works. Excellent better. analysis, sir. Well, like, well, I mean, it, it either works or it, doesn't. it either it does work or it doesn't work because like sometimes the elements are there. It's, got, it's almost gotta be a comedy. Yeah, like, it does. Yeah. Usually it is a comedy. Usually it is a comedy. Um, it'd be really but, weird if there was a meta drama. It would be. Like, where, yeah. Where like they just thought the the guy stops for a minute and like talks to the audience. Well, like kind of um, offsetting. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong, but I'm just saying like whenever it comes when to it comes, it, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> whenever when it, it comes, comes to the Western genre, it either works or it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, Okay, you're done. Oh I need, God, I, need yeah. to, I need to make a, I need to make a quick footnote real quick before we continue, so that the accuracy police don't come after us. Uh, the Happy Time Murders 
is a Jim Henson Company production. I thought it might. Be. However, on a technicality, because it's it's made by an offshoot of the Henson Company called Henson Alternative, which is their adult oriented film studio, and that was the first movie that they ever made for for that label. And I would guess the last. Yeah. So well, is that under Dis? Is like as this Disney? Is that a subsidiary of Disney as well, or is that like independently? I run? guess it might be because it says the Happy Time Murders was the first film released by Henson Alternative, a banner of the Jim Henson Company that specializes in adult-oriented content. So I would guess that if it falls under the Henson umbrella, then it falls under the Disney umbrella. Interesting. I, I just because uh, it, it, where they work for Hen- they're a Henson company. It doesn't. I mean, I'm sure the puppeteering was great. Uh, the movie probably wasn't. I never saw it. I, so know, I never saw really it. I'm sure the production it. value on all the on all the, the the Muppet aspects is great. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure the puppeteers and I'm sure they're very talented people. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I can't necessarily say the same thing for the writers of that movie, but. I'm sure it's it's you know it's just it's the opposite it's the opposite end of the spectrum. If you have Muppets in the middle, which is kind of for, for all ages, you have Sesame Street on the bottom end, which is for preschoolers and young children. Um, all the production design there is great. Um, it's just clearly targeted for children. I don't. I'm sure the production value on on Happy Time Murders is great, uh, but it just may not appeal to everybody. But all right, yeah. the Muppets movie well, definitely addressed that. Everybody. We addressed that. Okay, yes, the Muppet movie. Um, anybody, what's your favorite Muppet? Oh, I was going to ask that question. In I want to go movie. last. I want to go last. Okay. Oh, in the movie? Oh, thanks. Yeah, in this movie, we won't, we'll save the overall Muppet talk for like whatever our last Muppet episode is. Okay, great. Once we get, because um, right now, we only know these characters based on this one movie. You know, when I was a kid, when I was like a uh-huh. little kid, it was, it was Gonzo. Mm, um, but uh, a lot of that was because of Muppet Babies. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, if I had to say now, it's definitely Kermit. I don't know. There's just something so like genuinely likable about Kermit. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so easily, I would go with Kermit just because he's Kermit. Mm-hmm. But I like Fozzie Bear. Yeah. I feel like Fozzie Bear is like the perfect bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like he, he's like, bro. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah. I mean, he's just like, he's like the best road trip buddy ever. So, he is. He is a good road trip buddy. You got to so, be careful because when you say bro, I think like the stereotype of a bro. And I was like, that's not Fozzie Bear at all. I get what oh, you're saying. A couple of bro. Like, yeah, no. But like, but like, but like, saying, like, but... like, yeah. Like Fozzie Bear is just, you know, he, he's just, he's just an all around good guy. He is. Or good yeah. animal. He's a yep. Good friend. There you go. Yeah. But you, Josh. Um, I, you know, I am also going to have to side with Kermit on this one. Um, he's just, you know, this is it's the Muppet movie, but it's kind of the Kermit movie in a, in a way, and mm-hmm. so he really gets to shine the most, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and while all the other Muppets get to make fun fun appearances. He's the one that you really stick with. Mm. Um, so he's he's the best one in this movie. He's the sure. heart of the story, yeah. 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 yeah you got, you, there's no there's no Muppet movie without Kermit. 
There can yeah, be a Muppet be movie with some, without some of the others. Yeah, that's true. It'd be really hard to pull off a Muppet movie without Kermit. Garrett? Right. Well, you threw a kink Ralph. into what I was going to say whenever um, you caveated that you, it has to be in this movie. Yeah. Um, so the, my overall favorite Muppet doesn't really have a big part in this movie. So I will save that for later. Is it Animal? Animal is my favorite in this movie. Like, oh, obviously, oh, oh, like, like obviously, Kermit, yes, I agree with everything that you all say. But for me, Animal is always so consistently funny and just yeah. over the top. And uh, when he just, like, out of nowhere grows into this 40-foot monster and, throw, and scares all those bad guys away, like, mm-hmm. Animal consistent, like, outside of Kermit, in my opinion, Animal has the most memorable scenes for me where I laugh continuously. And um, Animal is just really great. And I, and I just kind of want to say something other than Kermit because obviously, yes, Kermit is the heart of the story. True. Like, um, yeah. I think out of this movie, I think besides him, Animal stands out to me as someone who really did a good job with what, even little part he was given. Yeah, even okay. uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very similar vein, the rest of the Electric Mayhem band is very funny. Like, yeah. yes. uh, Dr. T, Zoot, like, he's just being like, Joanna. He's like, and I'm a, uh, 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 you're Zoot. Zoot! <laughs> it's so funny. I oh, always, you know, Sleeper, uh, Statler and Waldorf, too. They're also good, yeah. Hilarious. Um, Animal was a... Uh, it's I, a private viewing. They don't was, want the uh, public to see it. Patterned off of Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac. That makes sense. When they, were, when they were a young band in the 70s, uh, Mick Fleetwood would be back there just playing them drums like a crazy person. And uh, that's, well, I always associate the band. I told Josh that I always call them uh, Fleetwood Muppets just because <laughs> I know that about Animal and I associate all the rest of the band as Fleetwood Mac. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I want to make a brief mention of the bad guy too. Let's talk about Doc Hopper. Colonel Sanders? Oh. Yeah. Happy O'Daniel. Happy O'Daniel. <laughs> He I don't know good. what that means. Oh well, so the, the actor who played Doc Hopper in this is also the the, the governor of Mississippi and Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Oh, Pappy O'Daniel is Pappy O'Daniel Flower Hour, gotcha. and uh, he. Uh, I, I was gonna make. I literally wrote down the joke in my notes. I wrote down this movie has Pappy O'Daniel from Oh Brother Where Art Thou is the bad guy, and then when his credit came up later, I went, "Oh, that actually is Pappy O'Daniel." Just like thirty years younger, I was so. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I was like, that was a that went from being a good joke to a sudden realization. Um, yeah, he's he's <laughs> great, chasing Kermit down all over the country just to make him his spokesman for frog leg for a frog leg establishment. Who has a frog leg establishment? I thought that the whole damn movie. I thing. can't name one restaurant I've ever been to and seen frog legs on the menu. And I get it that he's a Muppet and he's a frog and that's funny. And but never, ever, ever have I ever gone to a restaurant to see frog legs and I've never met anyone who goes, you know what I really like? Frog legs. And that's You're what I mean. not far enough into the South for that. And that's, <laughs> and that's what not, I mean. even a joke. I think that's really a like, Southern thing. It, could be, um, that's, it does yeah. seem like a very Cajun thing to do. Oh, and, and uh, did they say where where uh, where Kermit is? I think he's from obviously like Mississippi he's, area. Yeah, he's obviously in in a swampland area, so it's got to be Mississippi or Florida or something. Yeah, I, uh, I that's what I that's what it was. Is like a frog leg establishment. It like that. Like it's it's unrealistic, but it's also 
like the very fa- fact that it's in a Muppet movie is like, well, you can't really call it out as being unrealistic. You're watching a Muppet movie. Yeah. It, you know, they're, they, they, they do ridiculous things all the time. It just fits so well. Of course he owns a frog leg restaurant. If it was something more, re- more realistic, it wouldn't fit. Yeah. Um, it yeah. wouldn't make sense why he would want Kermit to be the spokesperson. Frog leg Kermit makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And he's, he's a dancing frog. He's very likable. His, his legs be kicking. Um, an interesting aspect of this movie, which I haven't done enough research on, but the, the, uh, one of the actors, the actors played, who played, do you guys remember the character Max? Mm-hmm. He was uh, Doc Hopper's kind of right-hand man there. He was in Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Was he? He was. What a, what a, what a legacy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he said Should have won an Oscar for that one. The director, the, the director James Frawley was the, the, the first and last person to direct a Muppet movie that wasn't direct, normally involved with the Muppets. He claimed that Frawley hated working on this movie, which is kind of shocking when you look at how good it turned out. He didn't like that he was having to work with the Muppets. He thought it was beneath him, I guess. Um, and uh, he said that the actor uh, who played Max said that he sort of envied not ever getting to be in a Muppet movie again. Cause it sounds like when Jim Henson directed and when Frank Oz directed and the directors they had later, that it was such a great harmonious set uh, that he kind of envied the uh, sort of uh, antagonistic set that he, that he worked on. Um, and I haven't, I, I haven't done a lot of follow-up to verify if that's how he actually felt, but I don't know why the, the actor would make that up. But interest, an interesting premise because you know, how do you get signed on doing the Muppets and you don't like them? Yeah. Right. So we talked about our favorite Muppet. Is it too, is it too early in the show to talk about our least favorite Muppet in the movie? Oh man, we're all going to say the same Muppet, aren't we? I, well, I don't know. I have no idea. All right. On the An- count of Andrew three. Will, right? Andrew will probably pick like, I don't know. Sam the Eagle. Sam Eagle. Ah! Sam Eagle's great. <laughs> Kermit, does this movie have redeeming value? Okay. I'm not going to do a full Sam Eagle impression, but that's, the, that's okay. the voice. That's hilarious. I kind of feel like we're not going to say the same thing, but if you want to do it at the same time, we can try. I think you, Josh, you and I at the same time. I bet we say the same thing. Ready? Oh, now you put pressure One. on me because I don't think I'm going to say the same thing as you. Fine. Okay. You say it on three. One, two, three. Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. Yes. Miss Piggy. <laughs> Andrew, don't say it just because everybody else did. Be honest. Oh my god. Dr. Teeth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just like Dr. Teeth. He doesn't. Okay. He's just saying it. So no, for real. I like though, Dr. Teeth. You we didn't think- like Dr. Teeth. Wow. Yeah. Who even thinks of Dr. Teeth? Andrew. <laughs> we had we had to turn Damn. the movie down. We had to turn the movie down when Miss Piggy was singing because it was so bad and annoying. Yeah. The yeah. Last I know that's the point. Like I get that. That's, but it's yeah. like, oh my God, turn it down. Well, it just yeah, took but- so fucking long like oh my god that song was the length of the whole movie the it last, was forever the last note she holds is so painfully uh uh like bad yeah. to listen to and it's it's funny and not funny because like you're, you're you want to laugh but also you're kind of like oh boy how long i will never laugh at miss piggy i don't I, like miss piggy i hate miss piggy i think I, hot take I think Piggy has improved in design over the years. She like, I think she looks better than she looked in 1979 in terms of like her design. Uh, I found her to be 
awful. A little bit more annoying here too. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a sense that I mean, I think that point part of the point of Piggy is you're. I feel I feel like we 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 all would be Kermit in that in that relationship. We'd all be a little bit uh, put upon, but. I found her to be kind of pulled back from where we know her today because now she's like so extravagant about everything. And, and, and this is supposed to be like very early piggy where she's like a little bit, a little bit likable, but compared to the rest of this, compared to the rest of the cast, it's just like, I think I would love to see him up a movie without Miss Piggy. (laughs) Yeah. Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog is one of the most toxic relationships in the history of movie and entertainment business. That might, that they're bad true. for each other. They're awful oh, to they're and for each other. No, even Kermit treats her bad. Look, look, I was but, trying to be on team Kermit and I always will be on team Kermit when it comes to Piggy and Kermit. But if you look at how their interaction started, and if you look at how Kermit acted throughout this whole movie, he kind of tr- was, was rude to miss Piggy a lot. Um, when they first met, when they first met, they he they went to the car dealership and invited the Jack to go to Hollywood with him. He like if he met a Muppet, he was like, "We're going to Hollywood. You guys want to go to Hollywood with us?" Mm-hmm. And when he met Piggy, he was like, "We're gonna go get some ice cream. Do you want some?" And then she misunderstood what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and thought that he invited her to go to Hollywood. And then when she came back with her bags packed, he was like, why? Yeah. He, didn't well, why, why he didn't ever invite her to go. Inviting you to Hollywood. Yeah. yeah, he didn't ever invite her to go. When right. she got in there, uh, he was kind of like, ah, I don't really want you here. Why are you here? And then she started to being like, oh, Kermie, I love you so much. And he went, well, maybe I do like her. And then they went yeah. to dinner. So he didn't like her until she started fawning over him. And then she left him. And then he was rude to Steve Martin waiter. Like they're bad for and with each other. They're bad. Maybe it's a toxic yeah. relationship. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't really, it's kind of, it's a really, it's a really love hate relationship because they don't have personalities that seem to go together at all. No. Well, it always seems like Piggy's holding him hostage and he's trying to escape, but then like, Stockholm syndrome kicks in or whatever. And, and that's the way that their relationship works. Like there's a moment of clarity where he's like, wait a minute, be, wait a minute, wait a minute. And it's like, Oh no, is, I love her. It would be one thing if, and I feel like we'll have to watch a lot of the, well, as we go through the movies, we'll have to try to make a, an active note of this. Cause I never noticed it really in any of the shows. It would be one thing if like piggy regularly seemed to have like a good heart underneath all of her, her over the top divaness. Mm-hmm. But like, it takes her zero seconds anytime she ever like lets her guard down to like go right back to whatever it was. Um, I remember on the, the new, the, the ABC Muppets show that they had a few years ago. Um, like anytime she would kind of like do that, she could let her guard down. It was like one episode later, she's like completely forgotten whatever lesson it was. She learned. It was really kind of uh, it's, it's a pattern that's gone on for, over 40 years now. And I feel like it's kind of run its course in terms of, I don't know what it is about piggy. I'm supposed to find appealing. Um, you know, uh, she's, she's funny from time to time, but I feel like compared to other Muppets, I feel like other Muppets have shown a lot more, uh, diversity of character. I think it's, a, I, I, I was thinking about that too. I was like, why is piggy there? Like what purpose does she serve? And I think I, and this is maybe a stretch, 
I think that for me, it is her undoubted confidence. And I think that one of the things that's endearing, even though I don't like her about Miss Piggy, is that she is very confident in herself. And that is a good thing. And that is a good message for um, a lot of young girls because Miss Piggy really is the main female Muppet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for her to have that confidence in herself and be unafraid to do these things and go after what she wants, that's great. But the counter to that is that she has absolutely zero self-awareness. And sure. that is where it kind of cuts off that confidence is sometimes you, you, it's great to have that confidence, but sometimes you have to be aware of, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe let's try something else. This is not working and this is not the way that I should be acting. I can have that confidence, but I can't act this way. So there are elements of her that are good to take away, but they're Mm -hmm. immediately countered by her actions. So it's really tough for her, in my opinion. Andrew, why do you hate Dr. Teeth? Give us a good analysis of Dr. Teeth there, why you hate him. Oh, please don't. I just didn't didn't like him. I just didn't like him. He had a gold tooth. I don't know. He's dumb. Dr. Teeth? Wait a minute, wait a minute. That we hated Dr. Teeth? I'm sorry. I must have misinterpreted it, interpreted the question. I said, what's your least favorite Muppet? That, how do you I misinterpret that? Least, I'm sorry. But we all, you thought I yeah, asked you talked about a favorite Muppet, Muppet. You're going to get it. What do you think we're talking it. about? Best supporting Muppet? Because I, I, I like Dr. Teeth. Oh, shit. Okay. So my least favorite Muppet. Honestly, my my least favorite Muppet in this one is Miss mm, mm. Piggy. I would say Miss Piggy, but like yeah. okay. Miss Piggy would be too easy. Uh, Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and just go with Miss Piggy, just because. Yeah. Um, have y'all? I, I apologize. I misunderstood <laughs> the question. That's so, right. This is a question that, that Andrew might get, but who knows? Have y'all ever heard of the song "It Goes Like It Goes" by Jennifer Warnes? I don't think so. Okay, no. so n- not one of us has heard of that. But that's the song that beat Rainbow Connection for Best Original Song at the Oscars. Oh right? yeah, okay. But we've okay. all heard of Rainbow Connection. Yeah, yeah look, Rainbow what, Connection the, look what the Academy awarded. <laughs> But uh, didn't uh, didn't Rainbow Connection also win a Grammy for best uh, film uh, song or something like that? Um, I think best so. Song and film. Let me double check. So it won. A- well, so the um, the album, the Muppet soundtrack, the Muppet movie soundtrack, won a Grammy for best children's album. Oh, okay. Rainbow yeah. Connection was nominated at the know. Grammys, or no, it was not actually. The song Rainbow Connection was only nominated for a Golden Globe and an Oscar. Oh, did he get both. the Globe either? Uh, no, the Globe shame. probably also went to... No, the Globe went to The Rose by Bette Midler. Oh, man, another okay. Hey, you know, if you're going to lose, lose one of the better songs out there. Yeah, uh, fair enough. The Rose well, by well, Bette Midler. What a classic. Well, Conway Twitty as well. Kiss from a Rose. <laughs> What movie was that? Mo- was that song from that won the Oscar? Nor- Norma Ray. 
It's an important movie. Very popular song. Sally Field. Yeah, that's an important movie. Who also won an Oscar for that? Um, talking about Rainbow Connection a little bit, what a great song to kind of book in the movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's very poetic. It's very uh, uh, approachable. Like it's not like that. The concept isn't hard to get if you're a kid or an adult. Like it's a very uh, approachable, very fun to sing song. Like it's not too slow. It's not too fast. It's very a great way to open the movie. And um, I kind of think that if they had ended the movie with like a different original song that rainbow connection would just be kind of there, but it's a great way to start that movie and end it. And it just keeps mm-hmm. coming back. People love rainbow connection. Well, it's got such a nice, it's a good song to start with. I mean, and then it's got a good message. Like there are two, the, the messages in this movie were like, when you break it down are good is like, go after your dreams and then share your dreams with your friends. Like, I think that is an under, uh, explored message where, one of the things that Kermit came to struggle with was he was like, I never promised anybody anything. I just wanted to go do this and invited you to go with me. Right. And then when the van or when the car broke down and he, and, and they realized they weren't going to get there, Kermit started feeling very guilty, not only for himself, but his friends. And he, he kept saying, I never promised anybody anything, but he was feeling really guilty because he was like, if I would have just stayed in the swamp, I would be the only one that's upset. And then he, you know, has this conversation with himself of like, you believed in this dream and they all believed in this dream and you shared this dream together. And that is a great thing. Keep going for that dream that you all believe in. And, and then when he has that interaction with Hopper at the ghost town and he's like, your dream is to have this frog leg restaurant. Who are you going to share that dream with? And then uh, it didn't work, <laughs> but he, no, then but animal grew and it was a heartfelt right moment. Way, but it was a very good <laughs> moment. And it was, it was a good very, plea. yeah, it was a very plea strong message of like, go after your dreams, but also don't do it alone. Surround yourself by people who believe in you and support you and want you to succeed. Yeah. That is a good thing. Wanting people to succeed is a good thing. And we don't get enough of that currently. The movie, the movie could easily be, and I, I don't know if this is what they really intended or not. The movie easily be interpreted as a metaphor for Jim Henson's career, that Jim Henson is Kermit. And he started his career uh, with very little and created this fun idea that slowly grew and grew. And he, he found more friends. He, he found more people like him. People like Frank Oz, people like uh, uh, you know Steve Whitmire and these other guy, other people who had a same the same kind of passion he had. Put together this incredible team, and they did they did exactly you know to an extent what happened in the movie. They came together, created something unique, and the world appreciated it, and they made people happy, which is what they wanted to do all along. So it when Kermit at the beginning of the movie, uh, his nephew Robin asks him if this is how the the Muppets really got started, and he says. I think he says something like more or less or just about, I kind of really think about it as being that as being a metaphor for not the Muppets literally, but also the, you know, the performers, the creators that would bring it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about the, the things you didn't like Garrett? My main thing, oh, we already did. It was Piggy, oh, okay. Piggy in oh, the relationship okay. <laughs> with uh, Kermit. And I really do want to point out, I do need to point out that Kermit was incredibly rude to Steve Martin waiter. 
I made it. Steve I Martin made waiter was very rude himself. No, he wasn't. It started yeah, with Kermit was rude. He sat them down me? and then he goes, you can serve us now. That's rude. <laughs> and if I were Steve Martin, I'd be like, hey, you know what? Steve I'm Martin? a dude who's doing this. I sat you down. I brought out this thing. And then Steve. you rude to me? No, I'm going to be rude to you too, Kermit. Steve, Steve Martin comes in with his hot pants as a waiter. That's I want it to be uniform, noted. He's man. wearing hot pants and, and it's never addressed. Yeah, He's just it's wearing It's the uniform. He's he's wearing his uniform. In the credits as snooty waiter. He comes hey. in and he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, try this wine. He goes, oh yes, it's the best champagne from Idaho <laughs> or something like that. He opens it, he drinks it. All of this came Wonderful. after Kermit looks at him and goes, "You can serve us now." That is rude. That's not true. I don't. Yes, know. it is. We'll have to re- I'll have to rewatch the scene and we'll get back to you another time. But. Uh, the point is, they were both being very rude to each other, and it was hilarious. I love Steve it was very funny. It was hilarious. But I just um, needed everybody thinks Kermit's this wonderful person, and he is. But he was no, very rude has to a, that waiter. That waiter. Ker- Kermit has dark side. He does. Kermit has, Kermit has anger issues. He does. They, but he, they, was rude to, he was rude to Steve Martin. They've curved that back over the years. But Kermit has an angry side. My so I'm going to get. I have. I risk getting a, a curling iron thrown at me over here. But my only real detract, like quibble with the movie is Gonzo's song, I'm Going to Go Back There Someday. There is a part where Gonzo has a nice little musical number. It is a beautiful song. Beautiful song. Uh, Very wonderfully sung by Gonzo. And I think that the song, to me, just feels misplaced. It feels like if Gonzo's going to have this great musical number, it it didn't feel like it was organic to that moment. And it feels like a song that really should be in a movie that's more about Gonzo. It just kind of felt to me a little out of place. And maybe they could have done a better job introducing it. Maybe they could have done something that built a little bit more to it or done it more, done it closer to after his little fiasco with the balloons, because it comes a good while after his whole like flight with the balloons. And, you know, you kind of see the sparks flying his head of like, ah, I'm going to be a stuntman. Like before that, he just wants to be the world's greatest plumber. I'm going to be a stuntman. I'm going to fly high. I'm going to do all this stuff. But it's so far removed from that, that him singing the song about going back to the sky and going back up there someday and all this stuff, it's like, doesn't feel connected to the moment they're in, which is like, we're broken down and Kermit's having this crisis about, you know, this, this guilty conscious moment. I don't know. I love the song. I just, I feel like it wasn't placed right. Um, I had I, I I gotta stir it back up again. <laughs> oh no! Stir what back up? While, while, yeah, while David was talking, I watched the scene, oh, and, and, and Steve Martin is in fact rude first. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah, it, it goes. Kermit goes. Uh, waiter, and he goes. What? <laughs> and then it's a whole thing, and then he goes. You can serve us now. Okay. All right. Still, if Kermit were truly Kermit, he would have he would have been bigger. Doesn't change the fact that Kermit was rude. But I will concede. <laughs> I got a Garrett concede, uh, concession that. Hey, if someone hey, gives me funny. evidence otherwise, then I'll change yeah, it. Yeah, it is. I want to be proven wrong 90% of the time. He, he is rude. Like, Steve Martin is very rude first. That's true. I believe that. All right. Um, uh, going back to the song, I didn't necessarily, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I didn't care enough to have that reaction to it. Um. I, I, I agree that it was a very sentimental song and it seems like if someone's going to have the sentimental aspect of it, then it would be Kermit or even Miss Piggy. Um, 
those two have a bigger part it's, to play than yeah, Gonzo. Yeah, that moment in the movie. Uh, yeah, because yeah, Gonzo really didn't have much to do in this movie. He was just kind of there. Yeah, Gonzo's kind of uh, in a lot. Of, I mean, until until the until sort of the later half of the Muppet movies, I feel like Gonzo. That's where Gonzo really starts to shine. People really took to Gonzo in the late '80s and '90s. It's the nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Gonzo's good people. Okay, well, um, should we go into? The box office portion, we're, we're beginning yeah. to approach an hour of episodes. So. Yeah, let's, let's wrap this up. Um, so in addition to the box office stats, I had one little other thing that I wanted to note. Uh, in 2000 and I think one, I believe it was, the Muppet movie was uh, inducted into the National Film Registry for its cultural significance. Uh, I think that's pretty pretty good. Um, some interesting facts about that. The Muppet movie is the only movie based on a TV show to go into the National Film Registry, um, which cool. is kind of nice. Um, I would say it's the only animated film. I mean, I, I feel like uh, pup, uh, puppetry or, or stuff like that could be considered animation. But uh, interestingly enough, so many sequels has uh, reviewed... On into the National Film Registry? No, we have reviewed eleven films in the National Film Registry. Uh, I don't. I don't imagine you guys would guess them. I'll just read them off. You, you probably could Star guess Wars. at least. Star you probably Wars, could, you know yeah. Star Wars, right? Lord of so, the Rings. Lord of the Rings. No, that's interesting. They have not in there. Um, eligibility for uh, the National Film Registry is the film has to like when it gets nominated. The film has to have been out for ten years. So the newest film in the National Film Registry right now is Brokeback Mountain. It doesn't mean that like after the 10 years, that's when like those are the only movies that are available. They could nominate a movie from like 30 years ago at any, you know, like at any time. So the newest film in the registry is Brokeback Mountain. But the films we reviewed are The Matrix, Toy Story, Mm -hmm. Clerks, Mm -hmm. Silence of the Lambs, Back to the Future, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Halloween, Superman. Wow, we're doing all right. Huh? We're doing yes. all right. Star Wars and the o- one of the only sequels in the National Film Registry, Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Look at Here, this. Uh, we have a big, there's, here's the list of movies we will eventually do. There are a lot of movies that got great sequels. I won't really read these ones off. Uh, we'll, we'll wait till that day comes. But we've actually got several of these on the wheel right now. So uh, we're going to be getting to some of what I, I, Congress considers or whoever it is that makes these official decisions. Uh, culturally significant films. All right, so moving on to the box. I just thought that was an interesting note. We, uh, I, I, we've obviously done a lot before, but we never, we'll never bring that up. Yeah. Um. So the Muppet movie debuted in 1979, a very long time ago. Uh, it debuted. Hang on, where is this? For Andrew, it feels just like I, yesterday. I misplaced my thing here. It debuted, I don't know, oh, here we go. It debuted the weekend of June 22nd in the United States, May 31st in the UK. Those are the two, uh, it's only two, I think, the only two markets in which it was released. Um, I don't have weekend numbers. They didn't uh, record them the same way back then, and I I dug around. I can't really find anything specific, but the Muppet movie would go on to make a total of $65.2 million dollars worldwide which is a pretty good number um i think 
well, it made 65 in the US. I think it actually made a couple, like 10 to 15 more in the UK. Um, skipping right along to the, uh, to the year 1979, the, 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 at the domestic box office, your highest grossing film was, is this correct? Yeah. Um, your highest grossing film was Kramer versus Kramer, <laughs> which was the only movie to cross 106 or cross a hundred million dollars that year. Uh, at number two, you had the Amityville horror at number three, Rocky two at number four, Star Trek, the motion picture. And at number five, Alien. Amityville Horror made more money than Rocky II. That's true. Wow. Uh, and at number, uh, the, the, ten, uh, the Muppet movie is actually the number 10 movie that year on the domestic charts, bringing in $65 million. Just behind Moonraker, here's another Steve Martin movie just above it, The Jerk. <laughs> uh, the Muppet movie managed to beat out, uh, I haven't ever heard of this movie, The Electric Horseman for that number 10 spot. And let's see. On the worldwide scale, the numbers are mostly the same, but the Muppet movie drops down to the 11 spot. And the highest grossing movie worldwide that year was uh, James Bond's Moonraker. Um, that's really about it. There's not a whole lot of, uh, of stats this week. Um, I don't really remember who won the game, but if we want, we can move right on to the letterbox score. I believe it was Jersh. Jersh Josh, did you win Iron Man 3? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> don't remember. I don't remember. I have a tiebreaker saved. I'll, I'll uh, be the win. I'll be the winner. That's fine. Um, uh, and I, I have a tiebreaker saved for us, just in case. Okay, cool. So the Muppet movie. We there's really no intro to this because there's nothing to discuss. So uh, I guess just start just start throwing your guesses out there on your zero to five scale. On what gonna, you think Letterboxd, the community, has given this movie. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 3.9. Oh, shoot. I'm going to say, man, I was going to say 3.8. Wow. Okay. We're going to be right on top of each other. Yeah. You guys are high. I mean, I was going to go good, but I wasn't going to go that high. I'm going to say three and a half exactly. You can't imagine that many people are giving this low scores. No, I can't either. I can't either. Yeah, I just can't. Too I, low. I, yeah, yeah. You went too low. You went too low. Um, David also went a smidge too low. Oh no! Just a smidge though, because Andrew wins by getting it correct with three point nine. Oh, snap. right at three point nine. Yeah, three point nine two. It's got to be one of the best three point nine movies on uh, Letterboxd. Possibly. Um. So let me get out my my score sheet here. Uh, a needed win for Andrew. Andrew moves up in the overall letterbox scores to tied with Garrett and I for five. Josh remains in the lead with six. Dun, dun, dun. Been a while for Andrew to get a win. A bit of a drought in uh, in Nicholsville over there. It's been a while. A little, little bit. Andy Land needs Andrew. some refreshing. I'm going to give it a three and a half as well. I think it's a great movie, and that is where it falls on my scale. Whenever I watch this movie and describe it, I say great, and that is three and a half on my scale. And if I use that word, and it is the word used on my star scale, i got to give it to you. Well, under that logic, I give it five full stars. This movie is perfect. Perfect. Um, what is there wrong with it? 
Miss Piggy. One song is a little out of place, and Miss Piggy's annoying. No, She's supposed one to be. character. One character's out of place. Perfect. Okay, I, Andrew. Uh, nothing I wrong. Will, I will give it. I will give it uh, four stars. Ooh, right in between us. Okay. Uh, I am also going to go with Letterboxd and give it four stars. Uh, on my scale, that is excellent. And I do think the movie is excellent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's all um, of those things and perfect. All that, though, uh, gives our average a 4.12. Hey, that's pretty good. So yeah, go I like that. Four. I like that. Well, so... Um, uh, oh, the way we're doing this is uh, we kind of reset the wheel last time and we each put movies that we want on here and David's was the Muppet movie. But David right. has not told us which Muppet movies we are going to so, cover. So what's our next movie going to be? So, unfortunately, I, I, and, and uh, this is not my fault. This is on Disney+. Plus. All of the Muppet movies are on Disney+, Plus except for one. Why it's not on there, I'm sorry. You'll have to rent it on Amazon or somewhere else. It is The Muppets Take Manhattan. That is our next Muppet movie. So if you want to join along, please do The Muppets Take Manhattan. We're going to skip over The Great Muppet Caper. While a very good movie, I may watch it anyway. Uh, we're going to okay. skip that one and go right to Muppets Take Manhattan. Hey, I don't want you to answer this question, David. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this question because it's going to... I just want to know. Are we going to do Treasure Island? Because I love that movie because Tim Curry's in it. <laughs> you don't actually have to answer it if you don't know, but I'm I not, maybe I won't. Oh, you want, do you want me to answer it? You told me. No, not. you don't have to. You don't have to. Oh, I'll answer it. Uh, hell yeah. We're going to do <laughs> Treasure Island. Okay, um, so the plan is, I'll just, I can lay out the plan for you right now. So the plan is to do Muppets Take Manhattan. This was uh, the one directed by uh, Frank Oz, I believe. Um, <laughs> And so one of it's considered by most a really good one. It is the one where in storyline, I don't know if it's, I don't know why it, they, they go back and forth on this so often in storyline, Miss Piggy and Kermit get married. Um, then we're going to do Muppet Treasure Island because it was one of the last Muppet movies in the nineties um, <clears throat> or one of the last Muppet movies. I should say it wasn't the last Muppet movie, but Muppets and Muppets from space is very difficult to get a hold of. Uh, then we're going to do, 2011's The Muppets with Jason Siegel. So that's the plan is to do one from the 70s, one from the 80s, one from the 90s, and one from the new millennium. Okay, I dig it. it. And then, for you longtime fans, watch out Christmas time. You never know what might happen. (laughs) We know. Also, uh, Muppets Take Manhattan is on uh, Prime Video if you have Amazon Prime. That's true. It's on Prime Video. Neat. Well, we'll then we will... We will watch The Muppets Take Manhattan. You can also go watch The Muppets Take Manhattan on Prime Video or wherever else you want to watch it. And find us online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so many sequels. Uh, Letterboxd, also so many sequels. Find us, follow us on all those places. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe in whatever podcast app you listen to the most. And uh, yeah, share. Like, subscribe, share. The three pillars of this show, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, we'll be back next time. Till then. I do believe Bye. this uh, podcast does have redeemable quality. Okay. Didn't even make a rainbow connection joke. Come you on, didn't man. even do like a Fozzie Bear impression? All right. Waka waka. Waka waka.